Amen. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark, second book of the New Testament, Matthew, then Mark. Mark is the shortest gospel of the four gospels. Mark is the fastest moving of the four gospels. Mark records more miracles than any of the other three gospels. That's the gospel of Mark. But Mark also contains what I believe is the most evangelistic chapter in the New Testament. And that is Mark chapter 4. So for the next few weeks, leading up to our world missions emphasis, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Every single week studying in that. And so please always bring your Bibles with you. Keep your Bible open during the sermon as we study Mark chapter 4. As you can see by the visual aid right here on the stage, we are beginning a series of sermons this morning that is on the emphasis of who's your one? Who's your one? This is a Southern Baptist convention-wide emphasis that is being done. But I want you to know the reason that we're doing it is not because the convention started it. It's not because our church decided that we voted at some point and did this. This is a call of Christ that we find in Scripture. All that the Southern Baptist Convention is doing right now is simply kind of putting a title to what the Scripture calls us to do. And so it's being called, Who's Your One?, And the emphasis over these 40 days, and and please know that we're going to be talking about it for the next 40 days, but this is an emphasis that from the moment Jesus said, go and tell, from the very point at which the Great Commission was given, that was the starting point of this emphasis. So this isn't going to end in 40 days. This is who we are as believers. This is who we are as a body of Christ. But what does who's your one mean? It means, Lord, I'm asking you to lay on my heart one person for whom I will be praying every single day and with whom I will share the gospel. One person. Can you imagine if this entire church family, all 3,000 of us, would make a commitment in our hearts, Lord, there is going to be one person for whom I will pray every day and with whom I will have a gospel conversation. Can you imagine what that would look like, the souls that the Lord could lead to him through these gospel conversations? And friends, the emphasis is going to be on faithfulness. The the emphasis is on faithfulness to sharing the gospel. Whether that person comes to faith in Christ or not is between that individual and the Lord. What we are called is to be faithful to what Christ's commission upon our lives is. And so Mark chapter 4, I want us to see that. In Mark chapter 4, we have one single verse that we're going to look at. As we begin this emphasis on who's your one, we're going to look at one verse. We're going to look at one single sentence that I pray that the Lord would stir in your heart that this week you would be praying, Lord, who's my one? Who's that one person for whom I'll be praying and with whom I will share the gospel? Mark chapter four. Through this series, we're gonna be looking at this whole parable, but this morning, truly, I want us to take one verse, one sentence. Mark chapter four, 
verse 3, Jesus said these words. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. One more time. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I have committed in my heart to you, but Lord, I want to say it again as a confession before you and before men. Lord, this morning, I commit my heart. Lord, you have already laid on my heart who that one is, someone who is already in my relational network, someone that I already know. But Lord, I commit to you every day. I will pray for this individual. And Lord, I'm looking for an opportunity for a gospel conversation. Lord, I pray that my heart would be sensitive, discerning, eager. Lord, that my confidence would not be in myself, but my confidence would be in you. Lord, knowing that I don't do this alone, but I'm doing it with the power and dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray for every single one of us this morning, Lord, that there would be commitments made all over this church. Lord, that folks listening on the internet, Father, that we would commit our hearts to you to be the people, the followers of Christ that you've called us to be. And Lord, if there's someone here who's never taken that first step of beginning a journey of following Jesus Christ, Lord, that this would be the day they would hear the gospel message. And Lord, even if there's only one who comes to faith in Christ, Lord, we pray for it. And we're going to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Father, may this be a turning point in our church family. May revival begin today. Lord, may we reach the lost in our community. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. Jesus opens that sentence by saying, listen. And probably in your verses, in your translation of scripture, there may even be an exclamation point there because Jesus is saying it with emphasis. He is saying, listen. And as a matter of fact, if you note there, now he's going to give the parable of the sower and the soil. Look down with me at verse 9. If you notice, this whole parable is bracketed. He begins by saying, listen, and then he ends by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, then you could even then go through the whole rest of the majority of the chapter, and you're going to find that this emphasis on hearing is throughout the whole chapter. In verse 15, he says, this is the one who hears the word. Verse 16, this is the one who hears the word. Verse 18, this is the one who hears the word. Verse 20, this is the one who hears the word over and over again. He's saying, listen. But as you see there on the screen, the importance of this is the importance of not just hearing, but obeying. In the way Jesus said that word, he wasn't just saying, uh, Lean in here so that you can hear my voice. He was saying, listen, hear what I'm about to say to you and heed it, obey it. And so then again, he gives a parable which over and over is emphasizing hearing and following. And it's because the problem that we run into Sunday in and Sunday out, even in your own personal individual worship, the daily quiet time, is we will read the Word of God, we'll hear the Holy Spirit speak to us about something, and then we don't follow through. We don't do it. 
We get convicted, we don't follow through. So Jesus begins this whole passage by saying, listen. Friday night, Zach and Libby, our number two son and his wife, and their three kids got to be with us. Our fourth son, Samuel, and his wife, Kenna, they were with us. And so because we were going to eat supper together and then Zach and Libby were going to drive back home with the kids knowing that they'll fall asleep in the car on the way home, they went ahead and had them put their pajamas on. So they put their little PJs on and now I'm going to get to read a bedtime story. And so the book that they chose was a, a story that we had read in here at a children's sermon, Max and the Big Fat Lie. And so I've got the kids sitting there in my lap. I read the story to them. It's a story about telling the truth, about being honest, not ever telling a lie. And in the book, Max, he's the leading character in the story, and he's been telling lies to his mom. And now he's riding home on his bicycle, and on the back of his bike is a big, fat lie that's riding right there on the bike with him. So I read the story to them. As soon as we get through reading the story, Zach, our son, says, okay, you guys, run upstairs. We've kind of got this playroom, game room thing upstairs. He says, run upstairs. Each one of you pick up five toys, put them up, and then we got to go. So they go upstairs. Not 20 seconds later, Walter, four years old, comes back down. Zach says, Walt, did you pick up five toys? Uh, nothing, no, just silence. And Zach said, Walt, did you pick up five toys and put them up? Yeah. <laughs> and Libby says, now Walt, you just heard a story about always telling the truth. You don't want a big fat lie riding on the bike, back of your bike, do you? And Walt said, well, if he did, I'd punch him in the face. (laughs) He heard the story. But I'm not for sure the truth of it sunk in. He heard it, but he's not heeding it. Folks, Jesus said, listen. You know, it was several weeks ago that it's amazing how the Lord will show me things in the Word of God, and it's not for to be used right then, it's to be used later. Well, it was several weeks ago that I discovered the most repeated verse in the Bible. And by repeated verse, I'm not talking about the most quoted verse in the Bible. I'm talking about the most repeated where this single verse is repeated over and over again. As a matter of fact, 72 times. 72 times in three books of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you find this exact same verse or, I mean, just a slightest of of tweaking, a variation to it. Same verse. Most repeated verse in the Bible. Have I piqued your interest at all? Are you wondering, okay, what is this most repeated verse? Okay, the most repeated verse in the Bible is... Did everyone hear that? The most repeated verse in the Bible is the Lord said to Moses. Isn't that amazing? 
the most repeated verse in the Bible is, the Lord said to Moses, 72 times you will see. And I'm not saying there's other words at the end of it. I'm saying that is the entire verse, the Lord said to Moses, which is a reminder to me that in our relationship with Jesus Christ, it is important that we talk with him. But even more important is that we listen to him. The most repeated verse is, the Lord said. Not Moses said to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses. And it was incumbent upon Moses then to listen and obey. And so Jesus began by saying, listen, and then he says, behold. And if you're thinking, well, I've seen the word behold in other parts of Scripture, and I bet Jesus used it a lot Did you know that in Mark's gospel, he says it right here. He says, listen, behold, and he does not use that expression again until Mark chapter 10 when he says, behold, the son of man must go to Jerusalem and there he will be crucified, put to death, buried, and in three days raised again. That's the next time you hear him say it. So there's got to be something that is right here in this word, behold. And the point is, it's the importance of not missing an opportunity. Listen, behold. As a matter of fact, in the ESV translation of Scripture, in the preface, the ESV takes an entire paragraph just to talk about why in the Scripture they still use the word behold, even though that's not a word that's used much in our modern vernacular. I want you to read. Here's going to be on the screen. What it says in the preface of the ESV, it says that the word behold, or the, the Hebrew henna and the Greek I do, it means Pay careful attention to what follows. This is important. Other than the word behold, there is no single word in English that fits well in most contexts. Although look and see and listen would be workable in some context, in many others these words lack sufficient weight and dignity. In other words, Jesus said, behold, because he's wanting to make sure that his followers don't miss what he's getting ready to say. And the same thing's got to apply to us. Friends, over this emphasis, don't miss what Jesus is saying to you. Listen, behold, and then what's the very next word? A. In some translations of scriptures, you may say the sower, but in some translations it says a sower. But I want you to know that the point here that the scripture is making is the importance of one. The importance and value of one. Jesus could have told this parable by saying a whole slew of sowers went out to sow. A whole cadre of of sowers went out to sow. A whole group of them. That's not what he said. He said, a sower, the sower, went out to sow. And it's because he's putting the emphasis on one. But friends, isn't that what God's been doing all along? There is one God. 
There are not two gods. There is one God. There is none before him nor one after him. There is none beside him. There is only one God. And that one God chose one people. He chose the Jewish people because through those people, he was going to bring one. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. There is one who stands between God and man. That is the person of Jesus Christ. There is only one who can save us. There is only one who can forgive us of our sins. There is only one who was born of a virgin. Only one who lived a perfect life. Only one who was crucified for your sins. Only one who was dead, buried, and raised from the dead. There is only one who is coming back. It is Jesus Christ. And the emphasis in Scripture is on one. You can go back and start reading in the very beginning of Mark chapter 1, and you're going to see over and over again an emphasis on one. Jesus went into the house of Simon Peter, and he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law, one woman. He then preached in Galilee, and over and over again, he was healing people one at a time. Jesus cleanses a leper. Jesus heals a paralytic. Jesus calls Levi. He walks up to one tax collector, and he calls him over and over again. A man with a withered hand, he heals one over and over again. The emphasis is on one at a time. Because you and I got saved one at a time. When Jesus called us, he called us one at a time. And the emphasis through this is that each one of us. Can you imagine again, imagine God doing exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think that each one of us made a commitment that there would be one person for whom we would be praying. We would pray for that person each day and that same person, one person, that we would make a commitment to share the gospel with that one person. Each one of us making that commitment. A, A, sower. When will you make that commitment? The temptation is gonna be to say, well, my wife and I, we, we, know, we know this one person, and, and so uh, my wife's going to pray for him, and, uh, and I'll just be right there to support all the way through. That's not what he calls us to. Each one of us, a sower, a sower. And so we need to look at this word sower because that's the importance of doing what I claim to be. A sower. Well, what's a sower? A sower is one who sows. A believer is one who believes. A follower is one who follows. A sower is one who sows. And again, the temptation is going to be to say, well, there are some Christians who are sowers and there are some Christians who are not and I'm in the category, I'm, I'm just not a sower. But there are some Christians who are. Friends, the scripture does not give us that option. And I can argue that from two different ways. I want you to look at the very end of Mark chapter 3. Right before this passage that we're studying, look at the end of Mark chapter 3. Jesus' mother and brothers are trying to get in to see him, and there's a big crowd around him. And someone says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here to see you. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Listen to how he answers. 
Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, if we're going to say that we're in the family of God, if we're going to say that I am a child of God, if we're going to say that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, I must do the will of God. I don't have the out of saying, well, some are sowers, I just happen not to be one of them. Friends, it is the will of God that we share the one who is inside us. And here's the second way I would argue it. If you go back to Mark chapter 1, the very first call that Jesus issues, look at it in verse 17. The scripture says he walks up to Simon and Andrew, his brother, verse 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Friends, that's the call. We can't say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm just not a sower. Folks, they're one and the same. If I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I will sow the seed of the gospel. Many of you don't know this, but I'm a runner. And if right now you're thinking, I didn't know you run, I don't. I want to be identified. I think it's cool whenever someone says, hey, are you a runner? Oh, yeah, I'm a runner. I like to be identified. I think they're a great group of people. I just don't run. Well, then you're saying, well, then you're really not a runner. And that is exactly right. A sower is one who sows. The scripture then says, a sower went which helps us to understand the importance of going. Because a sower can get up that morning. A sower can make sure he's got his seed, he's got, he's got his bag. He's got the seed in the bag. He even knows where he's going. He's checked the weather conditions. He's got the plan of where he's going to be. He even announces to everyone that he works with, I'm going out to sow. But until he goes, he has not obeyed. A sower went. You remember three weeks ago? No, no longer than that. Oh, a month ago now. I got to do a revival at another church. And, and I, I took them through one, on, one night the parable of the prodigal son. And if you remember the parable of the prodigal son, where in, in a certain point in the story, he is now so hungry that he's longing to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. And then the Bible says, and when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have plenty of food to eat? And here I am starving with hunger. I will go back to my father and I will say to my father, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. So listen to that. He's come to himself. The father's kindness has drawn him back home. He has practice his speech. He's rehearsed it. He knows exactly what he's going to say. But at that point in the story, he's not moved until you read the very next sentence. And in one sentence, it says, and he arose and came to his father. And that is the turning point in the story. That's when the father, the father takes off running. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and took off running toward him. 
That's the turning point of the story. And he arose and came to went and came and came to his father. Friends, listen, we can make sure that we've got the right clothes on. And by that I mean spiritual clothes. We can make sure the Lord, I know I'm saved. I'm clothed in your righteousness. We can know that we've been equipped with the word of God. We've heard sermons. We've heard Bible studies. We've gone to Sunday school. We've, we've prayed on our own. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can even tell people around us, I'm going to do this. But until we go, we have not obeyed. A sower went. And the next word says a sower went out. And boy, what a key word that is. The importance of making sure that we're going out. And here's what the scripture is teaching us about that. The importance of going out of obedience. Out of love. Out of a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. If you go out, you're going to go out of your comfort zone. You're going to go out of your normal routine. But the Lord calls us to go out. And boy, please hear this. For many, your out may be right there in your own home. It may very well be that the person that the Lord is going to lay on your heart is right there in your own home. It may be a spouse. It may be a child. It may be someone, a relative who's been living. It may be a grandchild, grandson. It may be someone right there in your own house. But the Lord is still calling you to go out. A sower went out. And then this simple sentence says, a sower went out to sow. And it's the importance of the gospel. A sower went out to sow. And we would say, well, sure, because that's what sowers do. A sower went out to sow. A sower needs two things in order to sow. A sower needs a field. And so for every single one of us, that's going to be different. For every single one of us, the Lord is going to lay someone on your heart. If you'll just ask him, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you'll ask him, Lord, who's the one that you're laying on my heart, that one for whom I will be praying and with whom I will share the gospel. Lord, who is my one? If you ask him, he will show you that one. Every sower needs a field. And for every single one of us, that will be different. Who is your one? Who is that one person who is already in your relational network? And by relational network, that may mean it's a neighbor and you have driven past them Hundreds of times, you've waved, you've acknowledged each other. And so they're in your relational network. It's not like a complete stranger. But you're going to begin praying for that one person, and you're making a commitment to the Lord to have a gospel conversation with them. Who is someone in your relational network who is lost? 
Folks, this emphasis over these next 40 days is not about come and see. This is not about inviting people to come to church. Please, I want you to know it's important that we invite people to come to church. Don't stop doing that. But this is not an emphasis on come and see. It's an emphasis on go and tell. Who is that one person in your relational network who is lost? They do not know Christ as their Savior. Who is that one person? Because a sower has to have a field, and then secondly, a sower has to have seed. A sower went out to sow because he had a field and he had seed. And the seed that we're sowing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The field for every single one of us is going to be different. We're in different fields, but the seed is the same for every one of us. We are sowing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that God created, man rebelled, God sent his son as a sacrifice to make us right with him. And through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven, restored, reconciled to God and have eternal life. Friends, right there in a matter of probably 12 seconds, I shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Creation, God created. The fall, we, we've sinned. God created. We sinned. We rebelled. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be a sacrifice for our sins, to die on the cross for us. And through faith in him, we can be reconciled to God, restored in our relationship. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. God created Man rebelled. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And through faith in him, we can be reconciled to God. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all taking the same seed. Friends, you're not taking weeds to someone. You're not taking something that's going to be a bad thing in their life. You're taking them the person who loves them more than anyone else will ever love them. You're taking the person who will forgive them of all their sins. You're bringing them the person who is the only one who can give them eternal life. That's what you're bringing them. A sower went out to sow. A field, different for every one of us. The same seed. And friends, listen, there are going to be different methods that we're going to be using. Did you know that whenever I, I've, I've sown seed in my yard, I've never like sown to, to raise a crop or anything like that. But I've taken seed in my hand. And sometimes you do that. You, you spray it out there. You've got a long, narrow strip, and you're kind of just spraying some seed out there. Sometimes you broadcast like this. You go back and forth. I've taken seed in the palm of my hand, and you do that with it, and that kind of spreads it out over a certain area. There are different methods of doing it. There are going to be different methods of having a gospel conversation. And so to that end, we are doing everything we can to equip you. This card right here, you're going to find that door number 11, outside door number 1. This card right here, it says, conversation starters. 
it gives some ideas on how you can get into that conversation with someone. And friends, listen, even in studying through this and us talking about it as a church staff, it has already made me more sensitive to listening to what someone's saying to me. And so the other day when I was flying out of Oklahoma City Airport, I've told my wife lots of times, I said, there's a guy, and, and he's at the airport. He shined, I had him shine my shoes one time before. And so I had on those shoes, went to him. His name's Harold. Harold, how's it going? His response, chasing another dollar. Okay, what do I do with that? Do I say, yeah, me too, Harold. Is that what my life is about, chasing the dollar? Or I could have said, yeah. How you doing, Harold? Chasing the dollar. Harold, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for there's someone who's been chasing me. The 23rd Psalm says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow after me, shall chase after me all my days. Harold, did you know that God's out to get you? He's been chasing after you with goodness and mercy. It began a gospel conversation. Now, Harold eventually started talking about his faith in Christ, that he has put his faith in Christ. But folks, all it did was start a gospel conversation. That's what we're asking the Lord to give us, make us, help us, Lord, to be committed to praying for one person every day and having a gospel conversation with that same person. And so conversation starters. For some, it may be you're going to write a letter. You may send a text or an email. Did you know that in our society today, handwritten letters are becoming highly valued? People pay attention to it. And so right here on both sides of this card, we have, here's an example. Not, not to do it verbatim, but it, it's going to help you on if you would like to write a letter to someone to have that gospel conversation, a text or an email. This card, it says, what is the gospel? If everything that I just shared a few minutes ago, if you need a reminder of it, right there. What is the gospel? Folks, in your bulletin, this card was in there. There's a, a black sticker right here. We've even provided you, it's a circle. It has the number one on it. That is for you. Put it on the back of your phone. Put it on your rearview mirror. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on a notebook. Put it somewhere as a reminder to you that I'm going to pray for one person every day and I want to share the gospel with that person. We put a pen. Take the pen with you. It says, who's your one? Just as a reminder to you. We now have a phone app. I started reaching in my pocket to get my phone. We now have a phone app. You can go on the Apple App Store or you can go to the, the Google Store, whichever one you use. You can search for Southern Hills Baptist Church, Oklahoma City, and it will pull up a phone app. It will be an icon on your phone, Southern Hills Baptist Church. By next Sunday, you click on that and it's going to attach you to all the Hoosier One resources that we've got. 
And then we did this. Outside doors 1 and 11, we've got a visual aid that we want to have out there. And so next Sunday, in every single Sunday school classroom, and then in places around the church, there are going to be boxes of white ping pong balls. There's going to be a Sharpie there. And as just a visual way of saying, I've got someone that I'm going to be praying for and I'm going to share the gospel with them. You're going to take a Sharpie and you just put an initial. It could be their middle name, last name, first name. It doesn't matter. Just take that Sharpie and put an initial right there. It may be you say, well, I'm, I'm going to put their name right there. That's fine. You put their first name, whatever. But take a white ping pong ball right on there, that person's initial, and then we've got collection places And we're going to be putting those in there as a visual aid, as a reminder to you. I'm not doing this by myself. I've got a whole church family that I'm doing this with. And together we are making a commitment. We're going to put that, we're going to drop all those white ping pong balls in there. And then whenever you have the opportunity to have a gospel conversation, you're going to take a blue ping pong ball and drop it in that display. It's going to be a beautiful picture as we go through these 40 days of I've made a commitment and then I even got to have a gospel conversation. Friends, listen, I didn't say the blue ping pong ball, the person placed their faith in Christ. I said again, this is about faithfulness of just sharing the gospel with one person. A lot of us have been following the whole Amber Geiger story. Amber Geiger is the Dallas police officer. Being in the wrong apartment, she shoots a man, kills him. A lot of us have been following that. We know that she was convicted of a crime, and we know that she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. It may be that you did not get a chance to actually see what the judge did at the end of that sentencing. And so for just about a minute, minute and a half, would you watch this, this video? Judge then turned and went to Amber Geiger herself. She bent down and spoke to her in her ear. We couldn't hear what she was saying at first, but then the judge walked away, went back into her chambers and returned less than a minute later with a small book in her hand. We quickly realized that it was a copy of the Bible. Then the judge and Amber hug each other. Amber tells something in the judge's ear that prompts the judge to say, Ma'am, it's not because I'm good, it's because I believe in Christ. The judge continues, I'm not so good. You haven't done so much that you can't be forgiven. The judge continues, You did something bad in one moment in time. What you do now matters. Then the judge urges Amber to take the Bible with her as the deputies escort her back to the holding cell for prisoners. That was a gospel conversation. I want to ask you a question. Did Amber give her life to Christ right then? We don't know. That judge had a gospel conversation. 
She gave her a Bible. She showed her John 3, 16. Right here's where you start. I've done wrong in my life. We've all done wrong, but you have not done so much wrong that you can't be forgiven. Jesus Christ will forgive you. This morning, it is not your pastor asking you to make this commitment. This is Christ. This is Christ calling us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower, Christ is calling you to make this commitment. One person for whom you will pray each day and that same person that you'll have a gospel conversation with. Will you make that commitment? And today... You've heard the gospel. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, let this be the starting point. You can't share something you don't have. Come and give your life to Christ. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that in this time of invitation that revival would begin right now. Lord, I pray for even one to trust Christ as Savior. Lord, I pray for recommitted hearts. Lord, I pray that your will would be done in every single life. I pray, Lord, that we would reach people one at a time. Lord, it is not going to be through a mass appeal. It is going to be through one at a time, each one of us. Oh, Lord, the things that you can do, that you will do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. May your will be done in this invitation. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.